here we go. Yes, that's right. Orange Man is back. Little known real estate developer Donald J. Trump throws his hat in the ring for 2024. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's November 16th, 2022. We are coming to you live from the swamp from Washington, D.C. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Share, subscribe, tap the notification bell, and I did all that in one breath. There's a lot going on, people. Holy moly. Uh, what a funny time to be in D.C. As I mentioned to you guys yesterday, we planned this trip thinking that there was going to be this red wave. We're going to get all these Republican congressmen and senators, and it's going to be this joyride and blah, blah, blah. Doesn't quite turn out that way, although we've interviewed a whole bunch of people, and I think there's an awful lot of hope, and we're going to get into some of that, and there's going to be this sort of reconfiguration of the Republican Party, and now with Trump throwing his hat in the ring and everything else, there's a lot of good stuff happening here, actually, and certainly if you live in a red state, you're probably feeling pretty good about life, uh, but it is kind of upside down and funny to be in D.C. right now, because uh, not only were they voting for the new House leadership yesterday, but then Trump makes the announcement, and just everybody and their brother is here right now. So why don't we just uh, start with that? So yesterday, uh, well, first we'll show you the tweet. So yesterday, uh, Kevin McCarthy, this is from the Daily Wire, breaking, Kevin McCarthy has been elected the Republican nominee for Speaker of the House. So the Republicans, it sounds like they officially have the House. So that is good, although it wasn't as big of a landslide as some people wanted. If you wanna break up a little bit of the power, right? The Democrats stranglehold on what's going on here in America and on all the policies, you at least want a, a broken government so that the Republicans have at least some degree to stop some stuff. So Kevin McCarthy, who has been the House Minority Leader, will be the House Majority Leader. Uh, there's some tension whether he's MAGA enough or America First enough or whether he's establishment. Okay, fine, everyone's gonna have their little political fights. But anyway, yesterday, I, I, we were at the Capitol and we were at the Senate building and I met with uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn over at her offices, really lovely lady. We're gonna have her on in the new year. Uh, and then we took the trolley. There is an underground trolley that goes from the Senate building to the Capitol. And we were going to meet with Kevin McCarthy just a few minutes before they announced that he was gonna be speaker. We had to jump on the trolley to try to get there. Here's just quick 30 seconds of what the trolley was like. As you'll see, it's very Willy Wonka-esque. All right, guys, so I am on the trolley right now from the Senate building to the U.S. Capitol. Uh, we just said hi to Senator Marsha Blackburn. Uh, I think Ted Cruz is right over there. That's Ted Cruz right over there. Did you turn the camera? Anyway, I thought that would just be a, a fun little insider thing to show you. It's just sort of like the, un the underground, the underbelly of the Capitol, you know, where AOC was hiding on that fateful day. Uh, but it's funny when you see these people, like obviously I know some of these senators and congresspeople at this point, but to see Ted Cruz just walking, and there's Elizabeth Warren right behind him. It's like that they're doing business together and ugh, Elizabeth Warren with her like $3,000 fancy purple uh, pantsuit or whatever she's wearing, whatever that dress was. And it's like, she's a socialist worth 50 million bucks. Okay, fine. 
Anywho, the theme of the show today, obviously, is that Donald Trump has thrown his hat in the ring. He has announced he is running president for 2024. It's kind of nutty because it's super, super early. I think basically what happened was he thought the red wave was a coming. He wanted to announce right after so that he could connect himself to the red wave. Red wave didn't happen, but the plans were already in motion, so he announced. His speech was was excellent last night. Like, I think it was objectively, if any of us are objective these days, it was objectively an extremely good, uh, clear and cogent speech with a, with a good argument around it. So we're gonna play some clips of that and then we'll talk about what the fallout's gonna be and how the media is gonna react. And, uh, you know, does America have a future? I think we're gonna be okay. Uh, let me talk to you guys about uh, Patriot Supply real quick. Friends, are you prepared for empty grocery stores if the diesel fuel shortage gets worse? Joe Biden is in charge, apparently. Listen, if trucks can't get the fuel they need, you won't be able to buy all the food you need. That's why there are so many people stocking up on emergency food right now. It's easy, fast, and affordable. Go to preparewithruben.com and you'll save $250 on a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company and they're charging less so they can help families more. Go to preparewithruben.com and get your three-month emergency food kit that's packed with a wide variety of delicious meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, snacks. You won't go hungry when you have this kit. Be sure to get enough to feed your whole family through the winter. These three-month kits are in stock and ship fast with free delivery, but don't wait. The sale ends soon. Go to preparewithruben.com right now. That's preparewithruben.com right now. Oh, I should mention, guys, before we get into some of the Trump stuff, that we are live streaming right now at our normal time, 11 a.m. Eastern, at noon Eastern today. So when we wrap this show up at about 11.45, about 15 minutes later, we are doing another live stream. Ted Cruz is gonna be joining us, Senator Ted Cruz, and we're gonna go for about a half hour. Then I gotta jump on a plane. I'm going over, I'm going back to the free state of Florida to the Fox Patriot Awards for a couple days. Uh, but yes, so we have two live streams today. There will be another one at noon Eastern with Senator Ted Cruz, and we'll obviously talk about Trump and much more. So let's get right into it. So Donald Trump announced he is running for president once again last night. He did it from uh, his home at Mar-a-Lago, and uh, here's a bit of the announcement. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. people say, how do you speak before so many people all the time? If When there's love in the room, it's really easy, if you want to know the truth. It really is. You ought to try it sometime. <laughs> Together, we will be taking on the most corrupt forces and entrenched interests imaginable. Our country is in a horrible state. We're in grave trouble. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a movement. This is not for any one individual. This is a job for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, many of whom we have brought together for the very, very first time. All right, so it was a solid speech. Obviously, the energy in the room was was amazing, and uh, you know he he's 
back, right? He's back. Whether you, whether you like it or not, he's back. I suppose you watching this right now, obviously I have a huge amount of Trump supporters that are in this audience. I think I have some people that have kind of moved on and would like to figure out something else. Um, maybe I have people that never supported him in the first place. Like, it's all over the place. My general feeling is you can like a whole bunch of people. You know, you want a robust primary. To me, that is the best possible thing, as long as you're all not demolishing each other, as long as it's not scorched earth and we are wrecking human beings. It's like you actually do want a battle, right? You remember the video that I played of Jordan Peterson talking about this a couple days ago. It might be best to have a battle, a hardcore Republican battle about what is the future of the party. It might be best to have that battle publicly. And if you can do it, and, and, and as much to the degree that you can keep it about policy and about why your vision is the best vision and not just make it about personal attacks and everything else. And this is where Trump, I think, is going to have to perhaps be a little bit more disciplined. It's like, then that will be good. But the, the general tenor of the speech I thought was excellent because basically he was saying, hey, look, when I was doing it, it was pretty good. We're gonna show you a clip on that in just a second. But he was saying, it's just not right right now. And, and only the movement that I started is the thing that can stop it. Now, you may, you may not agree with that or you may uh, be completely in line with that, but it is a sound argument for someone to run for president. Like, I did it for four years, things were good, look at it now, I'm the guy that can come in and fix it. It's clean and clear and it makes sense. Uh, here's Trump reflecting on his presidency in contrast to Joe Biden. The world was at peace, America was prospering, and our country was on track for an amazing future because I made big promises to the American people, and unlike other presidents, I kept my promises. I kept them. All right, look, at the end of the day, Trump did keep an awful lot of his promises. Look, we had a more peaceful world than we have right now. There is simply no doubt about it, right? Uh, we did not have this crazy war in Ukraine. The Abraham, award, uh, the Abraham Accords were signed. Middle East peace was a thing that we were all into, uh, right? That was something that we all used to want. Suddenly Trump did it and it became a bad thing. Uh, the economy was chugging along. You guys all know it about black unemployment, black unemployment being the lowest it ever was. Uh, Latino unemployment being the lowest it ever was. Give me just one second here. I've been interviewing people all morning. That's a lot of talking. My mouth's a little dry. Um, his argument is, is sound when you compare it to the Biden administration. But there's something else that really is driving Trump to run. It's not just like I can tweak this policy or I have better economic policy on this or, or the wall or that sort of thing. There's something else that drives the America First movement and that drives Trump and it is that swamp thing. I happen to be in that swamp right now, but he referenced it last night. We must conduct a top to bottom overhaul to clean out the festering rot and corruption of Washington, D.C. Man, I mean, that really gets to the heart of it, right? Like, what did Trump run for in the first place? You know, when we played you that clip uh, of, uh, oh no, we didn't play it. That was on the Tim Pool show that I was on the other day. Uh, when Trump was talking about, uh, sorry, when Dave Chappelle was talking about Trump and he was watching that first debate and, you know, Trump is basically saying, hey, you guys are all the liars. I'm not paying taxes because that's the rules that you guys set up. That means I'm smart. It's like Trump is going after the swamp thing. I can tell you, look, I'm here in D.C. right now. There, there is a big superstructure. I don't think it's all inherently evil. It certainly wasn't set up to be evil. 
but it's calcified here. You know, people come from their states, they come here to try to make things better, you know, nationally, and they usually make things worse. That's just how it is. So Trump's main argument is that, hey, it was pretty decent under me, it's been pretty bad under Biden, and I did not get to finish what I started. I did not get to drain that swamp and everything else. Uh, let me just say something else about what, what the Trump's struggles are gonna be. Uh, first off, the question is, can he bring in any new voters? Who are the new people that are gonna suddenly vote for Trump? I mean, if you didn't vote for Trump last time, are you gonna suddenly vote for him? I suppose there could be some disaffected Biden people that might say, okay, I'm gonna go for Trump this time. But in many ways, a lot of them voted for Biden the first time because they hated Trump. So it doesn't seem like that's a ton of people. Now, if Trump announces, we know that a whole bunch of people who wouldn't vote otherwise will vote purely because they hate him. So he may have seen his max already, right? If he got 75, 000, uh, 75 million votes last time, he may have seen what the ceiling looks like. And the question is, if a whole bunch of people come vote against him, well, Biden did beat him last time. You can talk about fraud, you can talk about everything else, but that's also what Trump has to address. If he believes, and he has said it many times, he believes that they stole the election from him last time, what have you done to secure the election this time? Why would they not do it again? By your own argument, right? I'm not saying it's true or not true, right? I don't have any more insight into, into that than any of you do. Um, but we were all around on election night when he was leading in eight states and a pipe burst in Philly, and then a week later, we don't know what the hell's going on. So it's like, if he earnestly believes that, and again, I think that he does, well, he has to explain, well, here are the ways that we've secured elections so that they're not just gonna do it to me again. So I think those are the two, I think those are the two main problems he has, right? The, the, the ceiling, we sort of know it, and the floor uh, could be a problem. And then this issue around fraud. And then the other part is, you know, if, and I don't wanna make everything about DeSantis, but if DeSantis gets in, who has been the standard bearer for all of the ideas Trump has been fighting for and has done everything that a, a right-leaning, conservative, ex-lib, freedom-loving person could do, if, you're, if your uh, goal is to just wreck him in the name of becoming president again, I think a lot of people are not gonna be into that. I, I did sense last night, and we were at a, a restaurant in DC watching, so there's a whole restaurant of people watching, um, you know, my sense is people are gonna be a bit over the attacks. I know that the, the trolling works and the joking works and the name calling works and all that, but I, I don't know that that's gonna work with DeSantis if he does get in because people really, really appreciate his competency. And, and the other thing is, as I tweeted, it's like, you know, if they wanna frame him as establishment, I can see a lot of the, the major Trump people trying to frame DeSantis as establishment right now. And it's like, well, if the establishment guy is the guy doing literally everything you want, keeping the state open, fighting the, the mandates, you know, securing elections, all of those things, well then, isn't that a pro-establishment argument? But anyway, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about all that. Uh, let me tell you guys about StoryWorth and then we'll move on. You know, this holiday season, I wanna give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship we share. That's why I'm giving everyone I care about StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. Each week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought to ask, like what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you wanna find out? 
With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart. I'm preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to StoryWorth.com slash Ruben and save $10 on your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com slash Ruben to save $10 on your first purchase. So because the lead-in to this Trump announcement uh, we knew about it, right? Like everyone kept saying that, and there were a few people, and I was hearing it a lot yesterday, people were like, oh, maybe Trump isn't going to announce tonight. Maybe he's going to announce he's running as a third party candidate, or he's announcing that he has dirt on Biden or Hunter Biden laptop or whatever. But the basic consensus was the guy was going to announce last night. So Team Biden clearly was preparing for this, uh, and they released an ad against Trump just minutes after he announced. Nobody has ever done what we've done in the last four years. Their entire economic plan, tax cuts for the rich and corporations. And record-breaking unemployment. The worst jobs report on record. Trump is the only modern president to leave office with fewer jobs than when he took office. It's bizarre how they didn't mention COVID in that and how the entire machine was forcing the economy to shut down. And yes, Trump does have something to answer on that, right? He absolutely does. And Trump was for a certain degree of lockdowns. He was pushing a lot of it back to the states. Trump also did Operation Warp Speed and he was, you know, he's been very positive on vaccines and then they kind of turned out not to work. This is a place where DeSantis, I think, has a, uh, a little bit of a, uh, event where he can blow up the Death Star because he's been so anti-vaccine uh, mandate and everything else. Trump, Trump, I don't think was for the mandates per se. When the mandates came around, that was from the Biden administration. But Trump really was pushing and pro-vaccine. Anyway, they'll they'll have to work that out again if if it happens or not. But the fact that the Biden administration had a commercial uh, ready to go anti-Trump tells you that they really are worried about Trump, even though this thing is two freaking years away. It's two years away. We got a lot of this stuff that we're going to have to do. Uh, here's a funny, you know, those meme makers of the internet, uh, a funny little video of Trump pushing back on Biden. If you're a middle-class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. You're sitting at the kitchen table this morning deciding, well, we can't get new tires, they're bald, because we have to wait another month or so. Talk about statement. North Korea. Me, I do want to turn second, to please. 10 seconds, Mr. President, That's 10 a seconds. That's political statement. Let's get off this China thing. And then he looks, the family, around the table, everything. Just right. a typical politician when I see that. Let's talk I'm about North Korea. I'm not a typical Korea. politician. Okay, That's President. why I got elected. Come on, Joe, you can we're, do better. I grew up in a family where when the price of gasoline went up at the pump, it was a conversation at the kitchen table with my dad. Where prices went up for things were daily requirements like the gallon of gasoline. It became a discussion at the kitchen table. It mattered. You felt it. it was a discussion at the kitchen table. You felt it. it was a discussion at the kitchen table. Around your kitchen table. On our kitchen table. Felt at the kitchen table. Around the kitchen table. And around our kitchen tables. Around the kitchen table in the morning. Feel it in your own lives. Around the kitchen table. Talk about around your kitchen table. And I learned that at uh, the kitchen table in Scranton. My dad used to say, at the end of the day, it's just when you sit at that table. Come on, Joe, you could do better. We're going to talk about North Korea now. The memes, they're all going to come back. All of the videos with Trump's face on movie characters and all of the stuff. It's, it's all coming back, people. All right, so what is the media going to do about this, right? There, there's a really interesting setup, and I've been warning about this for weeks before this. 
there's going to be a super interesting setup with the media because on one hand, the media hates Trump. They think Trump is evil and he's racist and a Nazi and all that stuff. On the other hand, the more that they talk about Trump, the more people watch, right? So people tune out of CNN when they're not talking about Trump. They tune out of MSNBC. So they have a vested interest in propping up the guy that they think is evil and or at least that they say is evil so that they can get people to watch. Then there's another weird dynamic developing here, which is I think that the, the machine itself is more fear, fearful of Ron DeSantis than it is of Trump because DeSantis obviously can bring in a whole bunch of new voters. DeSantis doesn't have some of the negatives that Trump has. He, his track record has been nearly flawless. He's fighting the media the same way, all of that stuff. He's younger, he's a family man, okay, fine. So because I think they're gonna view that as more of a threat, MSNBC and CNN and Washington Post, the places that tell you Trump is Hitler and everything, the more that he goes after, say, a DeSantis, if it happens, the more that they're gonna have to be kind of like, oh, Trump is the good guy in this situation. So it's gonna create a really weird system of selective pressures where on one hand, they're gonna be telling you he's the evil, most evil thing ever. And on the other hand, but you know, he really hates the other evil guy. And you know, we kind of like that evil's a little lesser than the other evil or something like that. Here is a televised mental institution, MSNBC, Nicole Wallace uh, on how the GOP is gonna burn it down. Alexi, they're so far away from this. I mean, they are, they are running, they ran as arsonists trying to burn down our democracy. And now they want to put on a firefighter hat and help put out the fires. I mean, it is so, it's not like, oh, we had different opinions and, and maybe we can come around to seeing the wisdom of yours. They were working to damage our democracy and now they want to, I mean, I just, I just think it is, it's too far to travel. As uh, my friend Viva Fry, who's a frequent guest on the show, says, that's confession through projection. Uh, yes, actually, I think Republicans have been making arguments. Now, maybe those arguments didn't translate down to the average voter uh, because you guys control the media and big tech and everything else. Uh, but she's saying it's not like we have different opinions and maybe we could come around to seeing the wisdom of yours. Well, but we do, and there are obvious differences between being a Republican and a, and a Democrat. And again, I don't wanna make everything about the, the polarization of two political parties, um, but there are fundamental differences, uh, things like individual rights and states' rights and lower taxes and no mandates. These are all things that I think are winning things. We have to convince more people that they are winning things, um, but it was the Democrats who were using the power of the state to silence people via big tech, right? It was the Democrats who were using the power of the state to force companies to inject their employees with things. Uh, when the government and giant corporations work together against you, the individual, that's known as fascism. The same thing they're always calling us. You see how they do this? Uh, and then, of course, there's all these nonprofits that are, are just grifting extraordinaires. Uh, I would say the premier one is probably the Lincoln Project. Now, you may remember the Lincoln Project. This was a bunch of sort of ex-Republicans. These were, these were McCain and Romney Republicans who were so... Uh, disgusted by Donald Trump. They became this group of never Trump people and they got millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to be principled conservatives who never accomplished anything, but they were better than that Donald J. Trump guy who was doing all of the stuff that they purported to want to accomplish, uh, but never actually could. Well, the Lincoln Project, which is super well-funded, 
which said that it was a Republican, you know, the whole idea of it was we're here for conservative values, we want to save the Republican Party, uh, but we just don't like Trump. Uh, well, now the mask is off with these guys. Uh, here is Lincoln Project senior advisor uh, Stuart Stevens on what the Lincoln Project really actually does want to do. Uh, just to be clear, I mean, at the Lincoln Project, well, we, we're not trying to save the Republican Party. We're trying to burn the Republican Party to the ground. That's an incredible admission. Like, I don't know if that was planned or not planned or what, but the whole idea of it, Lincoln Project, right? Republican Project, we are just gonna remove Trump from this equation and we're gonna keep fighting for Republican principles, limited government, okay, you guys got it. Uh, for him to admit, no, we actually wanna destroy the entire Republican Party and they get tons and tons of money, obviously from Democrat donors, it's like grift alert. If you see anything from the Lincoln Project, you gotta know that it is BS and nonsense and uh, a whole bunch more. Speaking of BS and nonsense, how about The View? Uh, here's Joy Behar, and she really doesn't want this Trump guy to run, and she wants the government to stop him. Now that, he is, a more now that Trump is a wounded animal, this is the exact time when Merrick Garland should swoop in and indict well, him. Well, this is why because, he's announcing. Well, Joy. that's exactly why he's announcing it. Already Merrick Garland is a day late and a dollar short. Yeah. He should have done that this morning before yeah. this guy announces. Yeah. But he didn't do it yet, which makes it now it looks as though it's political, which is what Merrick Garland was trying to avoid. Well, he once again, confession through projection, right? They admit what they are while sort of claiming it's what we are, right? They, we're the fascists. She's literally saying that the attorney general should have arrested this guy in essence so that he couldn't announce he's running for president. That's not really how it works in a free society with due process, Joy. Also, for the last six years, we've been dealing with this, whether it was Russia collusion and impeachment one, and he drank water with two hands, arrest the guy, and 25th Amendment him, and he fed some football players hamburgers, and he eats his steak with ketchup, these are all horrible things. He, uses, he has two scoops of ice cream and he must be stopped even though Joe Biden's always eating ice cream and it's fun when Joe Biden does it. Anyway, the idea that Merrick Garland should be looking at whatever, whatever evidence or non-evidence he has from the Mar-a-Lago raid, right? You know, again, it's just so obvious nothing's gonna come of that. It really is obvious. I was off the grid in August when it happened. When I came back in September, I was just like, well, oh, it just sounds like another one of the things. Like it's another one of the scandals that's a non-scandal. Oh my God, Donald Trump Jr. had lunch with a Russian for 15 minutes in 2015 on the Upper East Side. My God, we must impeach his dad. They want to keep this endless hysteria, but it's, it's not just about the endless hysteria. They want to use the levers of the state to, in essence, jail and stop their political opponents. I don't think Republicans are doing that, are they? I don't think so, but we got more from, uh, from The View. Here's some excellent political analysis by noted racist Sonny Hostin. He does those gotcha moments like, ha ha, That's you're true. in Martha's Vineyard now, look how clever I am. But I thought he looked like the devil in doing that. <laughs> yes, Ron DeSantis looks like the devil because he sent a couple people up to liberal haven Martha's Vineyard. You know, you didn't care, Sonny, when these people overrun all the border towns in Texas. You just don't care about those people because you think those people, well, they live in Texas and they're backwards and stupid, so they should just have it. But if they freaking send 20 migrants or 20 illegals to Martha's Vineyard, it was nuts. You guys all know the story. Within 24 hours, the National Guard, the entire media establishment, everything, turn so that they could boot these people, roughly 20 people, they could boot them off Martha's Vineyard. Barack Obama has a 30 acre 
waterfront mansion. He could have put up a tent. We would have sent it to him. I would have sent him a few tents to put up in his backyard. Actually, it's his front yard because they got a great view of the ocean over there, but they did not do that. Uh, anyway, what of course is coming with all of this Trump stuff is what is the Republican Party going to do? Are they going to go this route? Are they going to go a more DeSantis route or another route altogether? And of course, Trump was kind of going after DeSantis this week. He had this Ron DeSanctimonious line, which kind of fell flat. People weren't into it. He sent out a couple messages on Truth Social sort of going after DeSantis. And the question was, is DeSantis ever going to respond in any way? And actually yesterday, uh, we got the first sort of uh, toss in on that. We would like to know what you think about Trump's big announcement and some of the less than flattering comments he has made about you. Well, you know, one of the things I've learned, like learned in this job is, um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning, and it's constantly attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Now, the fact of the matter is. I mean, that's right. That's the right answer, right? You just keep leading. You know that if you do the right thing, you're gonna take fire, whether it's from the media or your political opponents. Uh, but then if you do the right thing, you look at that scoreboard and you go, holy cow, I just crushed it with a 20 point win and have super majorities uh, in the house here in Florida, or I'm in DC at the moment, but back home in Florida. And we helped a guy like Marco Rubio with a landslide win and the state is strong. So this again, I like both of these guys. I do. I very proudly voted for Donald Trump last time, and it cost me a lot. It cost me friends. Uh, it cost me career opportunities, a whole bunch of stuff. There is a situation in which I would vote for him again. I obviously like DeSantis a lot. There is absolutely a situation that I would vote for him for president, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the question is, what will Trump do if DeSantis just keeps his eye on the ball, right? Keeps running Florida, keeps doing all the things that the people want to do and makes his, his case for his future. If he makes it airtight, I am competent and decent. I pick my fights accordingly. I secured elections. I don't force people to inject themselves with things. And you know the machine is gonna just keep coming on him. But if, if he stays disciplined and on message, I don't know that the attacks by Trump are gonna work. And again, maybe there's a way that ultimately there's a tag team operation here. I don't know about president and VP, but there might be some way to put these pieces together. But I can tell you, I, I definitely sense people, if, if all Trump is gonna do is throw the kitchen sink at DeSantis, the personal attacks and whatever else that might be, and I heard a rumor that you, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's gonna work. I think people are over that, and I think going after people for the personal stuff, you know, if, if, 
if going after people for the personal stuff destroyed people anymore, then Trump would be long gone, right? Grab him by the pussy, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's where they'll have to figure it out. I think the other interesting thing with this is that, as I said before, what new voters can Trump bring in? That is, it's a really hard question, right? I, that's a hard argument that he's gonna have to make. Oh, I can bring in all these people. But when you take all the disaffected liberals, when you take the ex-Democrats, when you take the independents, that's a huge group of people, right? One of the reasons we didn't get the red wave is because the independents and the disaffected liberals, they either stayed home or they, they stayed primarily with the Democrat party. Ron DeSantis clearly can bring those people in. How do I know that? Well, I even got a guy like Bill Maher to admit that he could vote for DeSantis and there's no way in high hell he could vote for Trump. If California yeah. says, I have to take shots and DeSantis says, I don't, hello, Florida. That's what I'll say about DeSantis. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. He really is. And he doesn't care but, whether you smoke weed and he doesn't care who you marry. Just He doesn't. But to sound like the uh, voiceover at a movie that's coming out soon, shit just got real. <laughs> but like for me, yeah. personally, really, yeah. shit just got real with that. Yeah. And that, that's in it. my mind. Dude, I left this right. place because of it. And I don't want to leave, the, leave this place. That's, it would be very hard. So that is the standard bearer of liberalism arguing that there is a situation where the Biden administration or the Democrat states, the blue states got so out of whack that he could vote for DeSantis. I don't mean to make this all about Bill Maher, okay? And I get it, this election time, like he was on TV, on MSNBC and a bunch of other things telling people to vote for Democrats to save democracy. So my, I, my work will still continue. I think I'm doing the show in January and I'll, I'll push him once again. Uh, but the idea that, okay, he, he does represent a, an important sliver of American society of the people that can move one way or another. And he's saying, hey, he could do the DeSantis thing. That's interesting. But let's talk about the broader picture here. It's not about Trump or DeSantis or even the left. It really isn't. All of these leaders, good, bad, ugly, they're the consequence of us, the American voter. That is just the truth. It's what we put out there is what they reflect back to us. And regardless of political party, Americans are obviously fed up. Everyone in this town in DC, they're all walking around today going, what in the high hell is going on here? So whether they know it or not, they're yearning to return to a time of normalcy and comfortability. I really think that's it. People want competency. They want something decent. They want something that we once had. Uh, Senator Josh Hawley, who we thought we were gonna get in studio today, it doesn't look like it's gonna happen because it's so crazy. Uh, he was out in the Capitol. Uh, here's something he had to say uh, about this past election and what has to happen with the Republicans now. I think that this election was the funeral for the Republican Party as we know it. The Republican Party, is, as we have known it, is dead. And voters have made that clear, and in particular, the folks who did not vote for Republicans in this last election were independent voters, working class independent voters, folks who voted for President Obama uh, once upon a time, folks who then voted for President Trump but stayed home this time. We are not a majority party unless we can appeal to those voters. Yeah, I mean, he's not sugarcoating it. He's saying the Republican Party is dead now. I, I don't think it's dead to such a degree that he's saying mayor, but we don't have to split hairs on the, on the verbiage exactly. The point is the Republican Party has a huge opportunity right now. Huge opportunities right now. If it did not go the way you wanted it to go roughly a week ago, uh, even though, okay, you, you got the house, so there are some good moments here, right? 
Um, but if it didn't work out and you got to look at those independents and those working class people, it's like, you got an argument. If you're Donald Trump, you absolutely have an argument. Hey, it was better when I was, when I was doing it. If you're Ron DeSantis, you got an argument. Look at everything I've done in Florida. And I won by 20 points. So there is a rich opportunity now for Republicans. And I think the more that they grab the mantle of, hey, we are not here to solve all of your problems. I know an awful lot of people, a huge amount of people, way too many people, uh, they just want more stuff from the government, right? That is the, that is the Democrat promise. And there's a whole bunch of people who don't understand why that's not really the American way. So if 40% of the electorate just wants more stuff, they want higher taxes so that we can take from some and give to others. We have to accept that that is reality. We, have to, we can wake those people up when we can, um, but it is not in the American ethos. We have to return to something like Ronald Reagan was talking about in the 80s, which is that government is the problem, not the solution. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. From time to time, we've been tempted to believe that society has become too complex to be managed by self-rule, that government by an elite group is superior to government for, by, and of the people. Well, if no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? Ain't it the truth? That's just what we have to get back to. And Ronald Reagan was a two-term president who won his second term in an absolute landslide, absolute landslide. And it wasn't because he came in saying, I'm gonna give you all of this stuff. He actually did the reverse. Now, did he keep all of his promises? Did, he, did government grow under him? All of those things, okay, fine. None of these people are perfect, right? Jesus ain't showing up to run for politics, uh, run for president or anything else. But it's a mindset that I think we have to shift to. It's a mindset that's aspirational. And maybe that's what the opportunity is right now. Maybe that's what the battle that we're about to uh, be confronted with within the Republican Party is gonna be all about. That's a, that's a good battle to have. Which way are we going with all of this? But it's not all political, right? I always say it's, the answers are not all political. They're sort of spiritual. They're sort of within your own mind. How do you want to live? Because then you reflect that in the type of people that you vote. Uh, I found this clip a couple weeks ago of Ayn Rand, uh, author Ayn Rand, Fountainhead, um, who uh, I, I love throwing to some clips of her we've done over the years uh, because she often talked about this because she was not into government. She did not like centralized systems. She thought that you and your value and your capacity to own your mind and use logic and reason was the most important thing. I absolutely believe that. And here she is talking about how we shouldn't be criticizing virtue because that will lead us to envy. It's a little Yoda-like. I think you're going to dig it. The worst thing today is the attacks on ability. The, uh, I call this today's atmosphere the age of envy, actually. And I ask you whether uh, you would be attacked by people for your success. And I don't know whether you want to give the answer to the audience that y you gave me. Yes, yes, I am. Well, that's what I regard as the most immoral thing on earth, to attack a man not for his flaws, but for his virtues. Because to make a success of yourself in any line of rational activity is a great virtue. And they, people will attack you for exercising your ability, for hard work, 
for consistency, for ambition, and they will want to make you feel guilty of it. Mm -hmm. That is the greatest evil, according to my philosophy. Man, doesn't that feel like something? That, that's Ayn Rand probably 30, 40 years ago, right? Ability is virtue. Working hard is virtue. Competency is virtue. We do fake virtue. We do virtue signaling. We do, I scream about something, thus I am good. I take from someone else to give to that guy, thus I am good. But if we could get back to genuine virtue, and this is a great argument now for Trump and DeSantis, that they both can have this argument, which is, hey, we're competent. We did stuff. We set out things. Trump can absolutely say, hey, I set out these things to do, and in four years, I did a whole bunch of them, right? Way more than most presidents do. Ron DeSantis can sit there and go, look at everything that I have done in Florida. This is the blueprint, and I have been competent and decent and all along. But all of the ideas of success and virtue, these are the things that have been under attack. And when those things are constantly under attack, then you could be in a place like DC where they look at the people that they are governing over and they think, boy, if we can just give them more stuff, whatever that means, that'll keep them docile and that'll keep us in power. So that is the paradigm shift that I think we all gotta work through, which is that it's a, it's a mindset shift, it's a spiritual shift, and then, it, then regardless of whether it's Trump or DeSantis or somebody else or both of them or who knows what, um, we won't feel that all of our value is derived from the political machine. And I say that from Washington, D.C. Stick around for a cold close. Got a couple comments from the locals community. Uh, Margo says, does anyone else get the feeling Biden never leaves the kitchen? I mean, man, you know, he's been bouncing around all over the world right now because of some climate stuff and these conferences. And it's just like he almost tripped yesterday and the fumbling and the bumbling. But because the, the red wave didn't happen, you know, he's saying that basically he's going to run again. And oh, it's just what are they doing? Uh, California Runway says, I'm curious who will be Trump's vice presidential pick. I say Carrie Lake. Well, it's interesting. For, let's just say Trump gets through regardless of DeSantis getting in or not, whatever it is. If Trump gets through, to me, it's probably not Carrie Lake, although I think she has an extremely bright future, especially at the national level. It's too much to the same thing, right? If you, all of the Trump people love Carrie Lake, you're not bringing in any new people. You would have to find somebody that gives you a little bit of an ability to bring in the new people. So for example, last time Trump, what did he do? He chose Mike Pence. It was like the, the evangelicals, which obviously are a huge voting block. They were a little nervous about Trump, a New York real estate developer. Like, can, what can we make of this guy? Oh, but he's got Mike Pence with him that'll kind of bring in some of the evangelicals. So usually the VP pick is not about skill per se, it's about uh, sort of fig figuring out some sort of demographic thing that you need to accomplish. Kamala Harris, right? I mean, equity man with her. So that's what they'll have to figure out. So I, I think that if it is Trump as president, he most likely is not going with a pure, pure MAGA guy. You're gonna try to figure out somebody that maybe is either a little bit out of politics, maybe in the business world, maybe a little bit going to that, well, he's already sold on the evangelical base. So it's like something else, somebody to make some of the new conservatives or whatever, them more comfortable, it'll be something like that. Tony says, I'm selfish, I just got to Florida, I wanna keep my gov governor. I get it, and that's why personally, look, to me, if DeSantis doesn't run, it's okay. I'm just talking about for, for me and my life and for, the, for my family and whatever. Like, that's just reality, right? Like, I the guy being here for, for more years to 2028 is all good. 
Um, if he ran and Trump beat him and he just comes home and he licks his wounds and keeps Florida going, that's all good. If he runs and he beats Trump and he becomes president, that's all good. So again, this is why if you live in a, if you live in a good state, and you have good people around you, there, there are good options and people can lose elections and it still could work out for you. Uh, so a little something to think about. Uh, guys, if you have not subscribed, join us at rumble.com slash Ruben Report. And if you want to play along live chat during the show and for all sorts of pictures of all the things that I'm eating and uh, doing with the kids and a bunch more, join us at rubenreport.locals.com. Part one of my interview with former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker is up right now. Uh, I am headed to the Fox Patriot Awards at the Hard Rock Hotel in Hollywood, Florida. I will be on Greg Gutfeld's show on Friday. We're taping that from Florida. And then I'm going to do a bunch of other stuff there. I think Tucker's there and a bunch of other guys. So I'm going to see if I can get in the mix on a few other things. We leave you with a cold close and I sign off. Oh no, I was about to say I sign out from DC. I sign off from DC, but we are live in about 15 minutes with Senator Ted Cruz. Another live stream will be going up. We'll recap as much of this stuff as we can. So hang tight for that and uh, I'll see you soon. By its very existence and character, Berlin remains the most compelling argument for an open world. We're reminded of the many traditions of openness and democracy that have marked the history of this city. Amer missed me. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.